Welcome to Financial Plan and Explained. I'm your host, Mike Menninger, certified financial planner, owner and founder of Menninger and Associates Financial Planning. Uh, this is the second part uh, of a three-part episode where I am talking with Marty Greenbaum, who is a certified franchise expert. Is that what CFE stands for? Certified franchise executive. Executive. My apologies. So um, in the first episode, we were talking a lot about the differences between uh, having a franchise versus owning your own business, using a lot of examples of franchises, very commonly known names. I keep referring to McDonald's because that's the one that's probably, I don't know if this is accurate or not to say it's the most well-known or branded um, uh, one, doesn't matter. We all know it. And we know some of the other ones that we met, referenced. But, you know, so we talked about all the reasons why a franchise is a wonderful thing. You know, if it sounds too good to be true, what do they say, right? Well, talked about the value of it relative to owning your own business. But now, you know, what's the downside? I mean, you know, there is no nirvana. There is no perfect 10. So tell me, Marty, what's the downside of this? I want to know. Well, first of all, this, um, you know, there are 780,000 franchises out there, okay? So find that. Getting, you mean McDonald's yeah, is one 10, or 10,000 McDonald's goes towards 10,000 of the 780? Right. It's crazy how many people own franchises, all right? And, and the thing is, you know, people... They get into franchising and a lot of people, they, they've heard about franchising. Maybe they've looked into it. Here's the thing. Um, a lot of people get into franchising because they, they decide to go online and go search and they reach out to a few franchises and they get sold a franchise. Right. Okay. So keep in mind, there are some great franchises that offer a ton of value. And then there's some that really just don't have it all together. Right. I was talking to a client of mine who actually spoke to a franchise and they have two locations. And I said to him, I said, so you're considering a franchise that has two locations, all right? And you're going to pay them royalties. And what value would you get out of a company that's brand new? You know, it was a Pokeball concept. And I said, what value could you get out of a brand new organization where there's no real infrastructure and not a lot of knowledge or talent? It's a new franchise. They did great. They opened up, you know, two franchises, but I'm sorry. It's not as much as you may like Pokeballs. I'm sorry. Don't do it. Okay. <laughs> because, you know, keep in mind that there's obviously the really big franchises, there's startups, there's, there's a lot of great, great brands. Don't get me wrong. There's some brands that I would call emerging brands that have great concepts. Like, I don't know. You know, well, I, I hate to keep dropping names, you know, in, in the show, but the fact is there's like, I know of a few exercise concepts for the most part in fitness, you'd be worried because you see them go in and out all the time. But there's definitely some brands that have, you know, stood this test of time. If you got on, got, got in early and were able to get the right locations, you'd be set with some of these brands. So there are some new brands that really are fantastic and worth doing. But there's a lot more that you got to be careful. But you asked me, you know, what do you got to be careful of? You know, um, the fact is this. Franchising is a risk and we want to mitigate risk, right? In investing, you want to mitigate risk. So how do you mitigate risk? Number one, 
You do the right due diligence. What do you need to know before you buy a franchise, right? You definitely have to evaluate. And we're going to talk a bit more about this later in the show today, get into some details, but, you know, do the right due diligence, getting help. You know, this is what I do every day, but getting help, whether it's me or someone else, getting someone who really knows franchising and that could guide you. Okay. But there are horror stories, you know, finding the right thing for you and being realistic and really saying, can I do this? Now, most franchises are going to say, they're going to take it. You can't just buy a franchise. They're going to want to know who you are. They're going to try to vet out your capabilities to of the course. best of their ability. I, right? I, they want to make that. sure that you're a great fit. Go ahead, Mike. I'm, I'm sorry. saying I, I would absolutely agree with that. I mean, if I'm looking to sell a franchise to somebody, I want to make sure that they're not going to drive it into the ground. Or if I'm the franchisor, I, I want to make sure. Because that could have an adverse impact on the, um, the branding, the brand name, if you drive right. something into the ground. With social media right now, if you had a store that goes under, guess what? Everybody knows, right? Everybody knows everything now. Especially if you're in a market and you have one bad operator and then there's all these negative reviews it could bleed out onto the you know the into the whole market and hurt other people's businesses right so yeah they're, they're very protective right 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 but by the way i also noticed that recently um i have two offices and i got google reviews and apparently google reviews can only be for one particular office you can't use them and the reason is is for franchising I couldn't use a Google review for a client that we see in both offices or whatever the case may be. We couldn't use a Google review. It could only go to one office. I found that interesting and it's because of franchising, which makes sense because, you know, if I have a crummy restaurant, you know, if I'm running a crummy job of a McDonald's or a McMeineke or a Subway or a Chick-fil-A or whatever, trust me, if I was the owner of the franchise five miles away, I wouldn't want a, a bad store to have an adverse impact on me. And so I could see that, and I could certainly see that from the franchisor to protect the other franchisees. So that makes all the sense in the world. I mean, there's got to be a vetting process. Oh, totally. They, they, um, they vet these new franchisees or prospective franchisees from the moment they start discussions, right? Many of them do personality profiles where in, in, you know, like there's dis, uh, various assessments out there. So I, I just, you know, had a franchise, uh, one of my clients do an assessment for a franchise. They want to make sure that their capabilities and traits and everything, you know, their character and so on, their values match in alignment with what they know as to be, you know, top producing franchises. They're, they're very careful. It used to be, 20, 30 years ago, if you had the money and you were breathing, you, you they would award yeah. you a franchise. <laughs> no, not anymore, yep. right? Well, you know, and I think the example that you can say of uh, ethical and moral values would probably be the Chick-fil-A. Because um, I know that they're known for their values. You know, they don't open any restaurants on a Sunday. And I think that's neat because they make that rule for everywhere. So it's not like Chick-fil-A in Atlanta. I think Atlanta's the place. Not, it's not just them, it's, it's nationwide. Is that correct? Yeah, that's yeah, right. definitely. Yeah. It's, you know what, I will tell you this, and a lot of people don't think of this. I wanna bring it up. You know, think about this. When you join a franchise, you're kind of joining a family. Could you imagine being in a business where you had 
three or 500 or more different owners, all in the same business model, all wanting the same success and all sharing best practices. I mean, that's a big benefit, but they also want to protect the brand as we're talking about. So, you know, there's there's other benefits that sometimes it, they're not as apparent, but like the other franchisees and being able to partner with them and make friendships and work together towards bettering your individual situations. It's amazing what happens in the culture they build with within some of these franchises. Well, do a lot of these franchisors have uh, large national meetings with their uh, franchisees? Oh, yeah. Every day of annual conferences, they have regional meetings. They're on, like one of the franchises I work with, they put you in a mastermind group. So when you join, guess what? You're in a mastermind group with seasoned franchisees already that are already doing it or have done it and have, you know, so imagine you're a new guy and you're on a monthly call and you're able to build relationships with these established franchisors and also be able to ask them, hey, I had a problem, I have a problem here what do you do here or could you help me and i mean these people were in the same you know situation three years ago so they're happy to help you know they got help from someone else well it's interesting because we have that in our industry as well and you know in our industry is financial planning or financial advisors you know nobody has a uh, a corner on all of the good ideas and we all run into our own challenges at times and one of the things is that it, it, once you mature, you realize that there's enough fish in the ocean that you don't have to worry about another advisor or another franchise E five or six or eight miles away. He's not stealing my business. If somebody wants to go to McDonald's, they're not going to drive eight miles to that one if they're right next to mine. <laughs> you know, so yeah. I got to imagine that there's a lot of that going on. And so uh, I, well, obviously, the franchisor is very impo- uh, drives the locations as far as you can or cannot be in a location. I mean, if, if they already have one particular store from that franchise in an area, chances are the franchisor says that person's got a lock on a particular region, right? Well, let me, let me expand on that a little bit, okay? Let's say you're interested in a specific type of franchise. A lot of a lot of people go into franchising, you know, with a goal, some type of financial goal. They want to build their net worth. They want to grow income. They want to they 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 want to be an empire builder. So when you go in and you're meeting with a franchisor, you're going to want to say, "Listen, I want to see what territory is available because I know in two or three years I'm going to say open up that second location, open up a third location, right?" And by the way, territories. The way that territories are um, developed based on, you know, based on number of factors. In retail, it could be a radius around a store, okay? But in service, it may be a certain number of households, right? So that's different. But getting back to, like, what you would do if you wanted to scale, you want to make sure those territories are available, and you want to make sure that you you, um, secure those up front. So many of my clients that get into this, they secure maybe two or three locations where you pay the franchise fee, but there's a development agreement to as to when you have to open those stores. So if you're going in and you want to, you know you're going to probably want to expand, you got to go in with that mindset and make sure that you get the right territories 
you know, secured so you have that ability to expand I, into adjacent markets. I see that. If I remember, remember I was saying in the, the prior episode that I had someone approach me about doing that. They were looking at a location in Richmond and they had already planned on three stores. Okay. And I was the one who like, whoa, dude, you got to settle down here. You're talking about creating your second and third store within a year. Uh, and, and this is one of the things that I felt myself as the franchisor was basically sharing the Kool-Aid and he was drinking the Kool-Aid. I looked at it from a business perspective and say, how can you reasonably be looking at the second and third franchise when you haven't even demonstrated that you can run and make the first one profitable? That, well, there's a risk. There's a risk in that. I'll be honest with you, but you're risking, you know, typically a franchise fee is about $50,000. And if you buy two or three, it's a little bit, they, they give you a little break. Right. So you may talk, the second one may be 40, the third one may be 30, you know, so you're risking that money. And now is it risk, is, is it worth risking $40,000 for a second location or you want to maybe lose that opportunity? So it's a, it's a tough decision that you have to make. One of the things that I, when I'm working with my clients, I, I tell them to negotiate with the franchisor a longer, like if they give you a year to start building and working on the second one, see if you could negotiate a year and a half or two years. Okay. So oftentimes you'll be able to negotiate that out a little bit so you have more time to get into the secondary locations. Do you have the ability to resell it back if you don't, you know, if, let's say for instance, you have all to do to get the first store running or it's taking you longer than you thought to have the first store uh, be profitable and you say, look, I, I don't want to do the second or the third stores until my first one is profitable. Um, do you have the ability to sell it back to the franchisor or the ability to resell it to others? I got to imagine you do. No, most likely you don't. Really? But what you can do is go to the franchisor and say, listen, I, you know, this, this startup was a little bit more than what I thought. Could we get another six months? All right. So you could always extend it, but selling it back now, most likely you're going to lose your franchise fee, unfortunately. Yeah, that stinks. <laughs> so, you know, again, yeah. walk before you run. That, that but was listen, it, it may be able to be, listen, if you have a very established brand, they're not going to move on it. If you have an emerging brand, they may be, you may be able to add that into the contract as, as an addendum. Good so to know. Good to know. Be smart to do. All right, Marty, we're up against break again. So uh, stay tuned. Uh, we'll be back with you in just a few moments. Do you keep up regularly with your investments? Where exactly are your hard-earned dollars going? Are you financially prepared for an emergency? I'm Mike Manager, founder of Manager & Associates Financial Planning. We believe that education and knowledge are powerful, and we want our clients to understand why we are making the recommendations that we make. It's your money, and you deserve to know where it's going, because it's not how much you make, it's how much you keep. So call us today to discuss. Welcome back to Financial Planning Explained, and we're continuing with uh, Marty Greenbaum uh, with franchising. And the prior episode, we were talking about all the different values. Uh, in the first segment, we were kind of getting into some of the potential pitfalls and everything else. Uh, you know, me, from an investing and financial planning perspective, I always focus more on the concerns than I do on the rewards. But 
what I'd like to talk about in this segment is a little bit more on evaluating a franchise. Like, what do I look for? How do I know if something is good, bad, indifferent, has the opportunity to grow? Help me on that. All right, great, great question. You know, listen, there's 3,500 franchises out there, okay? And we have a handful of brands that have really developed a really national recognition. You know, we know these brands. Now, most people know food brands, right? But think about it, there's automotive brands that we all know too, right? There's service companies that I think we've all come to know, all right? So there's different brands that we know. And just because we know them, it doesn't mean that they're the best, best brand. Yeah, but right. I kind of touched on this on the last segment is, you know, you have brands in different, you know, different kind of time of their evolution. You have startup brands, you have emerging brands, you have established brands, and, and you have legacy brands, right? So the fact is nowadays with the internet, you can do some great research on brands Okay, but but the fact is, is who really knows how great a brand is? And that's the franchisees, right? So are the franchises performing the way they need to perform? I mean, if I were to ask the average franchisee, that an owner, you know, all those hard questions like, hey, how long did it take to get to break even? If there was one thing that, you know, you don't like about the franchisor, what would that be? Where where are their weaknesses? Was this if you had a chance to do it over again, would you do would you make the same decision? Okay. Now, in the due diligence process and in investigating franchises, most people are going to have the opportunity to reach out to fran uh, franchise owners. A matter of fact, franchisors will say, here, here's a list of people, talk to them. And you know, of course, when the franchisor gives you people, guess what they're going to say about the franchise? Oh, it's amazing! Of We're course, doing great. now you're talking right? about uh, if I wanted to buy a franchise off of somebody else, like if a franchisee was selling it, or are you talking about my opening a new one from the? You're opening a new one. Okay. You know, you're going to validate with all the owners. As a matter of fact, I have, I just had someone sign a franchise agreement. And he spoke to 28 different owners of 28 different, you know, the same franchise. He he went to 28 owners and asked them pointed questions. And he moved forward with the franchise. Well, that's good. How confident, right? Isn't that amazing? Uh, it's impressive that he did that. So, so Marty, what do you do to help people with that, with that evaluation? Well, well I guide people. When you're buying a franchise, you really have to know what questions to ask, what to look for, what's going to you know make for the right franchise for you. So first of all, I get to know my clients and I'm, I make sure when I match them with franchises, I'm matching with franchises that, you know, financially is comfortable for them and doable, that they have the right skills and abilities. It's a match in regards to what who they need to be, what they need to have in their toolbox, basically. I make sure that the franchisor is a strong franchisor. I've gotten to, you know, gotten to know these franchises extremely well, right? Um, we look at financial performance of a franchise organization to make sure that it's solid, that they have strong validation, that they have a great culture in their organization. I personally look at things like technology and marketing because nowadays, I think to be competitive, 
you have to look at technology and marketing because it's really innovation, right? And those are the some of the key areas you want franchises to be strong and have either the right people in-house or the right vendors they're using. So there's so many different things that you look at, look at. but what I do is I'm gonna help someone through the whole process because Listen, I know the playing field of franchising. If if they go to a franchise salespeople and they and salesperson and the salesperson could put a spin on it, you know, but and and a lot of people because you don't have as a new buyer, you just don't you don't have that depth of experience knowing is this really common in this industry or what is, you know, good. So the fact is is that there's so much to know. So not only do I consult but I also provide my clients with tons of resources and to improve, you know, their ability to ask the right questions and get the information they need. Well, that's important. I mean, you know, a due diligence process is only as good as knowing what to ask. And you pointed okay. out that gentleman who went out to 28 different franchise franchisees and interviewed all of them with pointed questions. That certainly helps that individual make the determination. And, you know, Therein also, and, and you're going to have times when people are selling their franchise. You know, it's like, let's say I own a McDonald's or a Subway or a Chick-fil-A or a Meineke or whatever, okay? And I just want to get out. I'm right. selling it, but then again, you know, I may have a successful one, but the guy, another guy may not. And so do you help folks like that in the buying of an existing franchise? So. So there's franchise resales out there all the time, okay? Um, and, you know, it's going to vary. It's a little bit of a mixed bag, and you got to be very careful in regards to, you know, the business valuation of these resales and, you know, the the, the staff that's, you know, that's there. Uh, and you really need a CPA to help you vet out financially. Is this a profitable business? Is this is what they're asking a reasonable price, right? Right. But I, but I will share this with you. If I was getting into any business, I want to really get to understand that business. Like I would want to spend a day in the a day, a full day in the location before I even considered it and saying, all right, you know, I want to see kind of the vibe. I want to see how many customers come in. I may want to have some, you know, conversations with customers and find out, you know, hey, how often do you come here? How many times a month do you stop by? What do you like about it? What's your favorite thing on the menu or whatever that may be? So if I always tell my clients, I say, if before you get into a franchise, test drive it, go there, right? It's kind of like when you're buying a car, you want to test drive it, go to that franchise. If it's an existing franchise, make sure you spend a day, you know, talk to the employees, talk to the customers, right? And really get a better feel for it too. I think it's so important. So it's interesting. Um, you know, I wear a business hat all the time. It seems like, and you know, I was participating in a exercise type of, not like a gym, but more of a routine exercise. It's one hour, very aerobic, very specific, and they have them all day. Right. So one day I was just chewing the fat with the franchise owner. And I was like, so, you know, this is risky. You know, what did it end up costing you to get in? He said about a half a million dollars. I'm like, wow, okay. 
He goes, yeah, I mean, to take a look at all of the equipment and so on and so forth. I'm like, all right, yeah, I could see that. I said, what's your biggest risk? And he had said to me that, you know, what he has is kind of unique. He said, if someone invents something similar that is also unique, that makes his look less desirable. I'm like, wow, okay. You know, that's, and, and that was a very interesting concept because I'm not sure if it was somebody I know is looking at starting one or, yes, that's what it was. Somebody I know is looking at starting one in California and it was just, I think it was too much risk for the amount of money up front. I mean, if there's risk, inherent risk, if I have to come up with $500,000 to start a franchise and there's inherent risk that another comparable type of thing, let's say I'm going to start a, a McDonald's and all of a sudden someone invents Burger King and takes half of my market, that's going to be problematic for my, for my, um, uh, for my business. So I got to imagine uh, you got to help people with understanding innovations and things along that nature, right? Yeah, definitely. I, I, I had a, a client I was speaking with, a new client yesterday. He wants to open an oil change business in uh, Dallas-Fort Worth. Mm -hmm. You know, and there's got to be a million of them down there, right? <laughs> so, and, you know, he uh, he was looking at a well-known brand. And, you know, we had a big discussion over that, you know, and talked about different brands. And, you know, the key is, listen, there's always going to be competition. Right. I mean, I mean, if, if, if you ever notice, like you look at McDonald's and you always see a Taco Bell and Arby's or some other brands like close to McDonald's right. because people they're taking market share. They're saying, oh, this is where people go to find something to eat. We better be there, too. Right. So if you have a, a better concept, you know, yeah, you could come in and take market share. And in, in the right market, there's enough market share to go around. So is it bad to open up a gym where there's competition? Or is that market big enough to where you could come in and, and, and take market share? Now, if you're in a if you're in a franchise that's not as desirable, yeah, there's a risk. Yeah. But you know, that's what you have to really determine. Like, is this brand gonna be big enough in the market? Keep in mind, and this is interesting. You know, when you come to a like I may have a brand that's fan, like if I brought in an outburger, well, that has, you know, to somewhere back east or take Wawa from the, you know. All right, you're really a Wawa. All right. I love Wawa. If you take Wawa and bring it out west, right? Not as many people know what a Wawa is, right? So at first, it's going to be like, you know, what is this until they venture in and say, oh, my God, right? <laughs> yeah, but I thought, and this is not that this, but I thought Wawa was actually all Wawa owned. No, it not, is. I'm just talking yeah, about Yeah, no, no, no. It's a great example, you know, but, you know. It's, it's not a franchise. It's good to know yeah, that you like know Wawa, about our. I just love Wawa. My, my daughter comes home from California, and we have to hit a Wawa right from the airport. So anyway, yeah. trust me, fully understand that. So uh, we're done with this episode uh, already, um, and this is great. So what we're going to do, uh, we're going to come back for a third episode. You know, we talked about 
you know, evaluating franchises. Now let's talk about the next time we'll talk about making the decision to buy. And then really what I want to be able to do is take some time to really focus on you, Marty. Like what exactly do you do? Why would someone benefit from uh, hiring you, consulting you? What are your costs, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Patrick, if you could throw up the slide again real quick with Marty's contact information as I close out the show, uh, that would be appreciated. But anyway, so we'll be back with you again. Uh, Thank you very much for joining our show today. And we'll be back uh, with our final episode uh, with Marty Greenbaum. And thank you very much again. It's uh, Financial Planning Explained with your host, Mike Manager. I will see you uh, next time. 